think I'm tooting anybody's horn for anything they do. Uh, to my knowledge, that's the first time Mike's ever sang a, um, a solo at church. And so can you imagine how nervous he was at the 830 service and even now? Uh, please pray for the choir. Please pray for anybody that takes part in church. And they're real blessings. I mean, uh, you know, you step out of your comfort zone and you do things and God blesses you for it. I don't know of anywhere you could go that if you sing your first solo that Norma Jean Kucha would give you a kiss after you've done it. So, <laughs> so that's one of the extra rewards for doing that. <laughs> Norma Jean's having some problems with the ears, but you heard that, didn't you, Norma Jean? Okay, all right, I just want Turn with me again to John chapter 20. Uh, this is the fourth message on this passage of Scripture. And I actually hadn't gotten into the text of the Scripture yet. And I'm not saying this apologetically. This is There's so much that just floods your heart and your mind when you think about Jesus being alive. And you remember what got all this started was, you know, normally after Christmas there's a big letdown, isn't it? I mean, we have focused on the coming of Christ, His birth. And, and then when Christmas is over, there's kind of a letdown. And I feel that way, too, with Easter, that we focus on Jesus dying on the cross and being in the grave and on the third day rising from the grave. And then there's kind of a letdown sometimes. But, folks, there is an excitement for every born-again believer that Jesus Christ is alive every single day and that he lives where? He lives in us. I mean, it is one of the most beautiful truths of the Scripture. And we've asked the question from the very beginning, is he alive? And my brothers and sisters in Christ, he is alive today. And he's going to be alive forevermore. And if you're not yet a believer, I just encourage you to to read and study this passage of Scripture. One day I hope that we'll come back. Uh, to this passage of Scripture. What overwhelms me is the fact that on that resurrection morning, these disciples have locked themselves into the room where they are. And Paul, Thomas, and, and, and John doesn't give us a reason why Thomas is not there other than the fact that he is a doubter. But can you imagine his shock when he again joins up with the other ten disciples and they say, we've seen the Lord. And can you imagine their shock when he said, I don't believe you. Folks, if you don't believe, that's fine. That is a God-given privilege. You don't have to believe. He does not force himself upon you. But if you will seek him, he will be found. And he is alive. So I pray in these moments ahead that we'll seek him and that every one of us will know he is alive. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son. Not only that he left his throne in heaven and came to this earth and died on a cross, but that he rose again. Thank you that he is seated at your right hand, even this moment. But thank you, too, that he's here with us. And for a believer, he's dwelling in our hearts. And for the non-believer, the person yet to receive Christ, he's knocking at the door of their hearts saying, I want you to know who I am. I want you to know me as your Savior and as your Lord. I want you to know that I'm alive. Oh, God, please, in these moments ahead, may we surrender this time to you. And may the Holy Spirit fill this place. May the Word of God be shared in power and in love. And God, convince us if we need convincing. And encourage us if we need encouraging that your Son is alive. In his name we pray. Amen.
Follow with me as I read these, these verses again. John 19, John 20, beginning with verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and he sighed. Then his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Listen to his response. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. Now think about this for just a second. He is wanting to see And he is wanting to touch. Verse 26. Eight days later, the very next Sunday, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Listen to John. The doors were shut. Again, folks, they are still, they don't know yet what to do with this resurrected Lord. They really don't. You know, what do you do? They're still afraid that the the Romans are going to come and get them just like they did Jesus. Or the Jewish leaders will come and get them and take them to the Romans like they did Jesus. And perhaps they'll be put to death. So I'm sure that they're having a kind of a, a meeting. What do we do next? What do we do next? He said, as the Father had sent him, we're sent to. What do we do? What do we do? But Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be still. Or peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, listen to what Jesus says. Thomas has said in verse 25, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand inside, I will not believe. Here's what Jesus says. Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. So Jesus invites Thomas to see and to touch. But he invites him to do something else. Do not be faithless, but believing. See me, touch me, believe in me. And Thomas responds in verse 28, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And he's speaking here of every generation of people who come to faith in Christ, even though physically we have not seen him or touched him like Thomas did, but we believe in him because through faith we can see him and we have touched him or he has touched us. And then John sums up this chapter by saying, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in him. As we began to study, I said that there's some questions that we should be encouraged to ask ourselves. Question number one, I'm not going to go completely through this. I just want to mention these, okay? Question number one, have I personally met the risen Lord? Is he alive to me? And folks, at the bottom of this is, can you and I today believe that Jesus rose from the dead? 
And I want to remind you once again that on that resurrection day, there are at least five different appearances of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these are recorded in Scripture on that very day. The second question is this. Why is the resurrection of Christ so important to our faith, to my faith and your faith? And remember again quickly, a dead Jesus cannot do a thing for you and I, but if Jesus is alive, if he is resurrected from the dead, there's nothing that he cannot do for us and do through us. And rising from the dead, Jesus proved that he is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, that he has conquered Satan and death and hell and sin. Only a living Jesus could raise you and me from death not only eternally, but also spiritually. We're born again into the kingdom of God when we trust him. Dead in trespasses and sin, we're raised in Christ to a new walk of life. And only a living Christ could come back again. And when Jesus comes back again, he's not coming back to be crucified, but to be exalted. And a living Jesus can now live within you and me. And that brings us this morning to where I want us to start. If Christ is alive, living in you and me as Christians, what changes would that bring into our lives? And folks, I hope in no way this morning I sound harsh or critical. But you know, so often we make Christianity a Sunday religion. That is a one day a week religion where we come to the house of God and we worship the Lord and thank you so much for coming today. But our Lord wants us to experience much more than that. Because you see, to be his child, to be a Christian, means that he wants us to have a living and dynamic and growing relationship with him. Not only in this life, but throughout eternity, we're going to be with him. And folks, we need to understand that we can know Jesus and we can experience him on a daily basis, not just on a Sunday morning. You don't need a church building or a pastor or a Sunday school teacher, even though thank God for the church building. And I hope you will thank God for your pastor and for your Sunday school teacher. But you don't need any of us to experience Jesus in his presence because he is with us at all times. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 28, 20. As Matthew closes his gospel, this is what he says. That the Lord says to the disciples, Lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. I love the way the Living Bible paraphrases that. And be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the end of the world. You and I need to glory and give God the glory in the fact that Jesus is forever. And to know him is forever. And his presence is forever. It is not just on the day that we meet Christ that we experience his presence. But he wants us to know him on an everyday basis. And folks, for those early disciples, Jesus' presence with them did not stop when he went back to heaven. It was just the beginning Folks, there's something very beautiful about the Gospel of Matthew. You remember how it begins, how after the genealogical record of the forefathers of Jesus, earthly forefathers, 
Then Joseph is thinking about divorcing Mary because she is pregnant and they've had no sexual relations. And the angel comes to Joseph and says, This child which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. You'll call his name Jesus, for he'll save his people from their sin. And then, quoting Isaiah, the angel says, You shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so, folks, Matthew is telling us at the very beginning of his gospel at the very beginning of the birth of Jesus on this earth, God is with us. And as the gospel of Matthew closes, listen to what Jesus says. The resurrected Lord says, I am with you always. Folks, you and I need to understand again that Jesus is going to be forever with us. And folks, you know why that's so important? Because it will turn our lives inside out. It did that early church. Folks, what is so beautiful about the early church is the impact they made upon the world around them. And let me ask you something. Are we making an impact in our world? Are we as Teresa Baptist Church making an impact on this community, on the people that we meet on a day-to-day basis? Folks, these were ordinary people that Jesus saved and called to follow him. But they became extraordinary people as Jesus began to live in them and use them. And let me give you an example of this. In Acts chapter 17, and we're going to have verse 16 on the overhead. And just look at that verse. I want to read the, the five prior verses preceding that verse. Let me give you a little bit of background. Paul and Silas are on one of their missionary journeys. And they have come to Thessalonica. Listen to this. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. Say that ten times real fast, okay? But they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Paul and Silas and whoever was on the missionary team would go to the synagogue because... And folks, it's very beautiful. They weren't going there to start arguments, but God loves the Jewish nation. And, and they would have an audience. They should have understood that Jesus was the Messiah. But Paul, being a Jew that was saved, Paul would go to the synagogue. And Luke tells us Paul went in as was his custom, and for three weeks he argued. And I don't think the concept here is that they were in a bitter, heated argument, but Paul is sharing the gospel. He is answering their questions. He is combating their disbelief with belief and with truth. But... He has argued with them from the scripture, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded. Some joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked fellows of the rabble, they gathered a crowd, set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason. And I hope immediately you're saying, why did they attack this man's house? Paul and Silas were in the synagogue, but the church met in houses. And apparently this man, Jason, is a believer and he has opened his house up and it's become a house church. And so Paul and Silas have been staying there and have been preaching and teaching from his house. And so the Jews knew this. So they go to Jason's house. And listen to verse 6, and it's on the overhead. When they could not find them, I'm sorry, back up if you will. When they could not find them, they dragged Jason, 
and some of the brethren before the city authorities crying. Listen to the charge against Jason and the church that met at his house and Paul and Silas. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. How do they turn their world upside down? Well, look at this next verse. It's found in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. And you'll know the background of this. Well, Peter and John, and this is after the Lord has gone back into heaven, and they're beginning their ministry, and they're preaching and teaching. They've gone to the temple, and there is a man who has been lame since birth. And he's begging alms. And when he sees Peter, he asks for a a gift. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but I'll give you what I've got. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And a great miracle was performed. Well, again, it, it irritated and aggravated the Jewish leaders. And so they began to threaten Peter and John. And they told them to just shut up. But listen to what this verse says. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived that they were uneducated common men, they wondered and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now pause for just a second. In that passage of scripture that we read out of John chapter 20, where are Peter and John locked behind closed doors, right? Both Sundays, they're locked behind closed doors. They don't know what's going to happen to them. They've seen the resurrected Lord, but yet they do not know what's going to happen. What has made the difference? Why are they so bold now? Because they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. He's alive. They saw him ascend back into heaven in Acts chapter 1. The spirit of the power of God, the Holy Spirit, has descended upon them in Acts chapter 2. And now they are out making a difference in their world because the living Jesus is inside of them and other people recognize it. Folks, as I think about this verse, I ask myself this question to people around me. See the living Jesus in me. And I want to ask us as a church, do the people around us see the living Jesus in us? This past Sunday night, we were looking at some ways that people would know that Jesus lives in us and that we're Christians. And I want to just mention five of these, and surely there are probably many more. But five ways that people will know that Christ is alive in us and that we're Christians. And folks, I believe the number one way that a person will know that you and I are Christians is our attitude towards sin. Please listen closely to this, folks, because not because I'm saying it, but because I think it's a very important teaching. After you and I are born into the kingdom of God, after we become a Christian, we still battle sin. And so often, and for many of us, it's a day-to-day basis, and I know that from the reality of my life, So often, we fall back into sin. Maybe it's not one that anybody knows about. Maybe it's in our mind and it's in our heart, but the Lord Jesus knows about it. But folks, when you and I have Jesus living in us, we no longer, and this is the the teaching of the Word of God, especially in the little letter of 1 John. When we are saved, 
we still are tempted and battle sin, but we no longer continually practice sin, and we are no longer under the domination of sin because Jesus Christ lives in us. And one of the real ways that you and I can know that we're saved and others can know that we're saved is that we no longer think that sin is right and sin is enjoyable. And folks, we need to wake up as a church and as God's people. If Jesus is living in us, he's going to point out for us which path, which direction we must take. When Jesus is living in us, we will practice our faith on a daily basis and we will turn from sin and we'll walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, again, if we continue to love and enjoy sin, then we need to check our heart. Is Jesus reigning and ruling? Is he living there? A second way that people will know that we are Christians and that Jesus is living in us is by the things that satisfy us. Let me ask you something. What brings the most joy in your life and in my life? Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 1.21. Listen to this. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Folks, can you and I truly say that on a day-to-day basis... We are enjoying the presence and the work of Christ in our hearts so much that that is our greatest satisfaction in life. You see, this is what Paul is is saying. He had found his satisfaction in Jesus. Folks, the closer we get to Christ, the more he satisfies our every longing. You remember the first song that we sang this morning, He Keeps Me Singing. Let Let me read again the chorus. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Let me ask you something. Is there more satisfaction in the Lord Jesus Christ than anything else in your life? People will see and know that we're believers. And a third way that people will know that Jesus is living in us is by our attitude toward other people. What type of attitude should we have toward others? Listen to what Jesus says hours before his death in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Listen to these words, John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. First time. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Second time. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Three times Jesus says, love one another. Christ-like love is, is the attitude that we should have toward other people. The Spirit of God can't work in an attitude of hate. And folks, again, you know, I know this from my own struggle in being a Christian. It is so easy to hate others, isn't it? Now, let's be honest. I'm not asking you to out loud agree with me, but as you look at your heart and your mind, are there people that you that you hate? And sometimes, folks, it even goes into the house of God where perhaps somebody we feel has wronged us or said something that we didn't like or, or took the wrong stand and we didn't like it or, or even in judging others. Folks, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, the greatest spiritual gift is love. The greatest spiritual gift I can have is not to preach sermons or to witness or to visit 
but to love other people in the name of Jesus Christ. And folks, that's a real battle, isn't it? And the only way that we can love as Jesus loved is for him to live in our hearts. A fourth way that people will know that Jesus is living in us is by our attitude toward Christ's church. You might be saying, well, he's just going to say that because he's a preacher and we, we pay him. And he got to love the church because that's who writes his paycheck. But folks, listen, Christ loved the church how much? Paul says in Ephesians 5.25, he loved the church and gave himself for her. When Jesus is living within you and me, we will love his church for which he died. When Jesus is living in us, we will desire and want to worship God. We'll want to hear the gospel. And I know that so often you hear Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. Folks, I want to tell you, there's a warning to preachers. Paul says, woe unto me if I do not preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one day I'm going to have to stand before God for what I've told you. And I want to make sure if there's one thing you can say that I shared with you is that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. He is the Son of God, and he is the living Savior. Folks, we must not tire of hearing and doing and preaching and witnessing to the gospel because that's the only way that men will be saved. As we, as Peter and James said, uh, Peter and John said in Acts chapter 4, and this is not on the overhead, there's no other name under heaven by which you might be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. When Jesus is living within, we'll want a fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We'll want to share in the work of the church. Folks, there's so many criticisms of not, I'm not just talking about our church, I'm talking about the church in general. And we are, we're weak in many, many ways, but folks, this is Christ's church. We should love it. We should pray for it. I hope you pray for your church and your church family and the leadership here. And I hope you're praying that God would continue to use us. And there's a fifth way that people will know that we're Christians and Christ is living in us by our fruits. Look at Matthew seven sixteen, And I want to read uh, the verse before and the verse after that. Okay, verse 16 is on the overhead. But let me, let me just, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? So every sound tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears evil fruit. Let me ask you, if Jesus is living in us, what type of fruit will we bear? If you went to your orchard, if you got any fruit trees and you went out and looked on your apple tree and there was a, a peach growing on it, to quote, to quote Gomer Powell, you might say, Shazam! It shouldn't be there. It should be bearing apples. That's the type tree it is. If Jesus Christ is living in us, Here's the fruit that we should be bearing. Listen to these nine things. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is, number one, love. Isn't that amazing? Love always pops up first. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Folks, our lives as Christians will be bearing fruit. And folks, listen, knowing that the risen Lord is living in us and walking with us, wouldn't it affect Everything we do on a day-to-day basis. I'm so guilty of, I, I talk all the time, and y'all not shocked at that, are you? But it's not always the right things that I'm saying. 
If we knew that Jesus was walking with us and holding our hand, would it affect our speech? Would it affect what we do on a daily basis? Would it affect the TV programs that we watch? Not all TV is bad, I know that. Would it affect the music that we listen to on the radio? Yes, I know not all music's bad. But folks, what I'm trying to say here, should you and I not let the living Christ lead us in everything that we do? Because it's so important to understand. You remember what Jesus told those disciples, as a father has sent me now, I send you? Folks, we're Christ ambassadors. Listen to this. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are ambassadors for Christ. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is one who represents a higher authority. You and I represent Jesus. He has sent us out into a rebellious, sinful world. But we are sent out with him living in us. And by his power, by his strength, you remember, I think it was last week we read Galatians 2.20. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Folks, that's the key. Jesus living in us. He's alive. That's not just a theological truth, but that is a very day-to-day experience that he wants you and I to have as his children. Let us pray. Heavenly Father... Thank you that your son is alive. Thank you, Father, that you're alive. And thank you that because we've trusted your son as our Savior, we are spiritually alive. Oh, God, I pray that you would help us to understand that you are with us every day. Thank you, Lord, for the hymns that we've been singing in these weeks that remind us of your daily presence. Truly, the Lord Jesus in us, keeps our hearts singing. Truly, Jesus is the sweetest name we know. Thank you that your Son satisfies our every longing. And God, help us to be found faithful to you. I pray for all of us as Christians, Father. God, perhaps over the years, Lord, the things of of Jesus' life and death and burial and resurrection have lost meaning to us. But Lord, rekindle I desire to let your son live in us daily. And Father, I pray for those that might not yet have come to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Like Thomas, Lord, I pray that you'll reveal yourself to them and that they will believe. Father, bless us in these moments of decision. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Our hymn of decision this morning is number... 624, since Jesus came into my heart. This is normally not a hymn of decision. But folks, if Jesus is in our heart, we need to be alive in Him, and we need to be serving Him. If Christ leads you to make a decision today, He's going to walk down this aisle with you, because He's here with you, and He's alive. Would you allow Him to come into your heart? Number 624, let us stand.